You are listening to the Enormocast. Hey folks, the word Enormo has long been used by Enormocast listeners to get great coffee from Defiant Bean and now BonfireCoffee.com. But now the magic word is going to make you not only more alert, but stronger and therefore more attractive. How does this work? Is simply screaming it at the crux enough? Perhaps. But more indirectly, but effectively, you can now use Enormo to get a discount on pure climbing holds. Go to pureholds.com, P-U-R-H-O-L-D-S.com, and enter Enormo at checkout for 10% off your purchase. And while you're there, check out the Enormo hold. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, a big house. place. That's, out. Out. That's a big nice. place. You sold oh, it out. I'll see. You really, really should. What the hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes. And Defiant Bean is now Bonfire Coffee. How did that happen? Don't worry about it. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Normo at checkout for a discount. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Normal Cast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is August 13th, about 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Getting this one done early because I'm leaving for Wisconsin tomorrow. On today's show, Dr. Jared Vaggy. Dr. Vaggy is a doctor of physical therapy and an orthopedic specialist and a climber and a guy with more letters after his name than I'd care to contemplate. Jared's mission in life, one of his missions in life anyway, one thing that makes him happy is trying to figure out why we get climbing injuries, and more importantly, how to prevent and or rehab those climbing injuries with simple methods, cheap methods, and not methods involving knives or scalpels. Anyway, get to that in a little bit. But before we do, I do have some business to take care of. Next month, I am going to be attending the AAC Craggan Classic in the New River Gorge. That's right. I'm coming eastward finally, a little further east than the red I was at last year. And uh, I'm going to be doing some event stuff there. I don't know. I think I might be talking on a mic at some point. But uh, if you guys are interested in checking that out, if you are in the area, um, well, there's a couple of places to look. There's a Facebook page. Um, there's also some information on the American Alpine Club website. If you just Google Craig and Classic, that's all I did to find out what I was doing. <laughs> um, I just Googled it. It came right up. Craig and Classic. That's Cragging without a G. Um, yeah, so come check that out. Um, there's clinics, kind of cool event. There's a bunch of different people presenting, and um, I'm going to be there. So hopefully climbing a little bit before and after as well. Oh, I forgot to uh, mention the dates. It is uh, September 19th to the 21st, so like the third weekend in September. Yeah, that that's what's going on. And um, I just wanted to say, too, that um, a lot of folks are so kind to invite me to these events. And uh, I can't go to most of them because I have this normal life that surrounds the podcast. If I was on the road just doing the podcast, which, of course, would be 
a total dream come true, then that would be one thing. But I do have to fit them in between other weekend obligations, such as weddings and uh, just other things. And plus, I got to stay a climber. If I'm not a climber, then why would you guys even listen to me, right? I got to keep that dream alive as well. So if you do invite me to an event and I cannot make it, please forgive me and continue the invites because every once in a while I'm able to pull one off. So that's what's going on in September. For those of you who follow my other social media on Instagram at Enormacast, on Twitter at Enormacast, or the Facebook page, then you probably know I just went to OR, the Outdoor Retailer Trade Show. So we got some stuff coming up from that. I went to the CycleBlock Comp, lost a little money on that, lost a couple of your donations on that, unfortunately. Is it wrong to gamble with donations? I don't know. And in my usual pitch, if you guys want to help out with the Cast, which is still just driven by listeners, if you guys are listening, I will keep doing these things. And that's kind of how it's worked since the beginning a couple of years ago. But anyway, if you want to help out, you can go over to normacast.com and click on the Help Out tab. A bunch of ways to do that, and you can also help out by supporting our sponsors, our, mine, whatever, still just me, and let them know that you are uh, digging the fact that they're helping me out and helping you out by getting this into your ear hole every couple of weeks. Okay, I think that's it. On to a uh, science podcast about joints and muscles and injuries and tears and rotator cuffs and pulleys and all sorts of things with Dr. Jared Vaggy. Dr. Vaggy's got a website, theclimbingdoctor.com, and a book there and a method to try to help you guys keep from being injured while climbing and or help you rehab from that injury. And basically, he just wants to help you stop the pain. So let the good doctor take the pain away, won't you? Folks, as you know, Black Diamond is one of the major sponsors of the Cast. and while the money they've handed me has disappeared into the dark hole of debauchery, they also hand money over to some important organizations, like the American Alpine Club, like the Access Fund, and like the Nature Conservancy, the people who control a major part of Indian Creek. So when you're spending your money on new gear, consider the fact that not only do they make great gear, but they're also trying to protect the places that you're going to use it. Black Diamond, proud sponsor of the Enormacast. All right, ready to go? All right. Okay, so uh, I'm sitting in the mobile studio here in Lander, uh, Lander, Wyoming, at the International Climbers Fest once again. It is raining outside, so you may hear the pitter-pat of rain upon the ceiling and uh, cars driving by, the usual things that you get out of the mobile studio. So I'm sitting here with Dr. Jared Baggy. We're here to talk about climbing in- injuries and prevention and warming up and all these sorts of things that in my past I've sort of ignored. And uh, Jared's here to convince me that, that it's something I need to pay attention to. So uh, welcome to the mobile studio. How's Lander going for you? Lander's going incredible. One of the nicest towns I think I've ever been in. Yeah, there's these two guys rolling around, uh, or two guys and a and a woman rolling around the country uh, from the New York Times. Yeah, this is true. They're really? like, yeah, they're they're biking across the country and sort of ro- writing series 
sort of pieces about their their trip and they basically like lost their minds last night in in lander at the party like just having this great time and they couldn't believe like how awesome the climbing fest was and how awesome the lander bar was and you know just how cool the town was and they actually kind of got their stayed here a couple extra days because it was so nice. cool so i think they're going to write a piece about it so but they they raged last night at the at the party uh, my buddy Simon got a text from him that said that biking today was somewhat difficult. <laughs> as it goes. Can so, expect that. Yeah, so Lander's a pretty cool town. Um, so I want to ask you before we get started, you've, you've decided to specialize kind of or, or be, be the climbing doctor, this guy who specializes in, in helping climbers with climbing injuries. More, I would imagine as a passion than necessarily the the route to millions of dollars because definitely yeah, that <laughs> marketing to climbers as i've found out can be a little little tricky you know but um tell me about yourself a little bit as a climber before we get started yeah so my background climbing actually started well in high school i was one of the top runners in the state and i actually you know was recruited to run in college mm -hmm. and i was really excited about it and i trained harder than anyone but I didn't have medical guidance. And I had a series of incidents, and I popped the tendons in my hamstrings six or seven times. And then actually, when I was in college my sophomore year, I quit track, and there was a climbing wall that was at school. And I decided, well, I'll give this a try. And most climbers, like, just got hooked. I was completely hooked on climbing, and after I tried everything I could on the climbing wall, I wanted to go outside and mm -hmm. started doing small sport pitches. Where were you? Where were you going to school? This is at UC Davis. Okay, So cool. this is kind of near Sacramento right. area. Mm -hmm. And started going to some of the local crags around that area and started doing some multi-pitches. And then I just got completely hooked, started getting to trad climbing, big wall climbing, doing big wall solo, going you know across the country, mm -hmm. just trying to... Like almost all climbers just trying to do everything you could, you know, related to climbing. And in that process, I started having, like most climbers, like tension in my fingers. And I started having soreness in my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I just kept training through it because... I just wanted to climb. Right, and yeah, I, yeah, you exactly. know, and you've, That's the problem, right? Yeah, and you've probably felt, <laughs> felt yeah, that as like, well. Oh, here's some more ibuprofen, and I'll go climbing today. Yeah, you know? and go, go right back at it. Take right. a day rest or right. something like that. Unfortunately, what happened with climbing, similarly, is I ended up popping a pulley. And a pulley is in your finger, and, we, and it's, one of the tendon, or it's one of the ligaments that keeps your tendons gliding properly. And it's probably one of the worst climbing injuries to have. Because it usually puts you out about four to six months. So when that happens, uh, I, I wanted to get to this sometime, so I'll just bring yeah. it now. So when you're talking about a pulley, and is it is it kind of literally like that, like the tendon sort of sitting in a little groove? And, and when you pop it, does the tendon move out of there, or does it move, or what happens? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a really good question. So okay. yeah, the pulley sits on the inside of your finger, right. and you have a series of them. And they go across it okay. and they keep your tendon tacked down. Right. So when you pop it, the pulley itself actually tears and opens up. And if you get it really bad, then the tendon itself bows away from your finger. Okay. And you have to wait for it to scar back down to end up healing. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that's got, I mean, that's like every time then you probably try to move it, it's like ripping a scab and, this, and it comes apart again. Exactly. Yeah. It hurts like. Yeah, right. it hurts like crazy. Right. So, I mean, that's like one of the, the injuries you just... I've never done it because I don't try hard enough. This is probably why. But, I mean, that's the one everybody's... Oh, yeah, I, I 
you know, pop the pulley or I did this to my finger. So I just wanted to get that defined. So back to your issue, you, you did that to so yourself. I, yeah, I popped the pulley and like a lot of climbers have that similar injury and it put me out. And around the same time, I also tore my rotator cuff, which is in the shoulder. Okay. And it's a series of muscles in the shoulder that it's another really bad injury to have because we're constantly using our arms when we climb. Mm-hmm. And it was at this time that I, st- I was finishing up my doctorate degree in physical therapy. So I went to USC um, mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, in California, Southern California. And I started thinking, is there a way that I can begin to apply some of the hard science from physical therapy to climbing? And there's a lot of people that were doing um, some type of performance training, things like that. But there isn't any good information for climbers on how to actually prevent injuries. Sure. And so I started mapping out different body movements, started creating exercises that were based on research mm-hmm. you know, from other sports, um, and started putting that together into ways that climbers can then prevent these injuries that I ended up getting myself right. that I probably shouldn't have. Right. And... From that, I got in touch actually with DPM Magazine, and we started, we published a series, and we're still doing it. You know, every every issue we have some type of article that's out on how to prevent these injuries. Sure. And Rock Creation, which was the local gym, got in touch with them, and we started doing clinics. Mm-hmm. And people just got really psyched on this stuff because they're really small things that you can do to change. Only take a couple minutes and can kind of prevent these injuries from happening. And from there, just got, you know, started getting some invitations to come out to different festivals. And the goal is just trying to spread the information to as many people. And we'll get into your book and and what, by by the end of the show, talking about where they can get a lot of this information and even get in touch with you. But, you know, it reminded me when you were talking that climbing as a sport, and I kind of think of that in terms of the beginnings of, of competitions and of indoor climbing. I mean, it's, you can fight about whether it's a sport or recreational, all those sorts of things. But as in terms of, of, you know, looking at it scientifically and as at the physiology of it is super young. Like the sport is, it feels like it's been here forever, but you know, sport climbing started in the early nineties, like, you know, real focused on movement, focused on hard climbing kind of climbing. And, you know, so for you to be looking around and finding nothing, it's probably not that unusual. I mean, cause we just haven't really focused on it. For very long and, and it's also a really underground sport like you know it feels like there's tons of climbers but you know percentage wise yeah it's a really small world of people especially that are, are you know climbing i guess you can get injured at any level though and depends on your own physiology and what you're trying to do so yeah i mean it's you know the same injuries happen the climbers who climb five seven and they're pushing five eight Mm -hmm. that happen to people who climb five thirteen and they're pushing five fourteen right it's the same patterns it's just at a different level so you kind of define pulley and like a pulley injury and and maybe before we get into this we'll talk about most common injuries but i kind of you know have a vague idea of what these some of these terms are and i think as climbers we toss them around you know i've got this i've got that um but what i mean if you don't mind i don't know if it'll It'll bore you to death, but what is uh like what is tendonitis, for example? All right, so tendonitis. So our muscles go into tendons, and the tendons then attach the bones. Mm-hmm. Itis is the medical term for inflammation. Okay. So any time that there is a tendon that is inflamed, we tend to call it tendonitis. Sure. But things are changing a lot, and a lot of the research that's actually coming out about tendons 
is they're actually not as much inflammatory conditions if you have them more than just a couple days. And so when people get tendonitis and they put ice on it, mm -hmm. well, a lot of the research is showing now that ice really doesn't help because the tendons itself aren't inflamed. So what you just said is that tendonitis, like we always assume it's inflammation in ice, but it's something different. And I actually had a question about tendons too. I've, I've had plenty of climbing friends who've had an injury, you know, that actually went as far as to require, or they were talked into requiring some surgery. Um, and then, you know, so, so apparently they go inside and they find like that these tendons are covered in scar tissue, yep. like from overuse. Is that related to this? Exactly. So that yeah. scar tissue you're talking about, right. that's the collagen. Okay. And that's kind of that ugly lattice work of junk that okay. starts getting deposited in the tendon. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of the research is going towards tendonitis, or they call it now tendinosis, mm -hmm. is that you have to do what's called eccentric training for those tendons, which is where, imagine you're doing a bicep curl okay. for your bicep tendon. And when you curl up, mm -hmm. that's concentric. And when you slowly let it down, that's eccentric. Okay. And a lot of the research is pointing in the direction that that actually helps strengthen the tendon and can clean up some of that nasty scar tissue. Sure. So. Okay, so that, in, in you know, like some of this kind of, these resistance mm -hmm. exercises, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about those, but that's kind of the idea is that both directions need to be worked. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay, cool. All right, well, that's all. I mean, I, I, I also have impingement here, but I guess everybody knows what that is. It's like pinching it, right? Yeah, so yeah. impingement, you have this tiny canal in your shoulder mm -hmm. that your rotator cuff tendons go through. I said the word, and you can't see me, but I started touching, massaging my shoulder as soon as Which, I said is it. That, is that the injured shoulder? Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so sorry. Hopefully we'll get a chance to yeah. talk about yeah. some of Chris's injuries. Yeah, we will. That we will, will put sure. you on the spot. Yeah. But so that, you know, that tiny area, your rotator cuff muscles go through. And mm -hmm. anytime you're in a, I call them dangerous position, but like if you're climbing and your elbow is rotated up, okay. there's certain positions that actually make that space smaller sure. and can lead to inflammation and, and impingement in that area. So tell me about a th over the head thumbs down jam. Yeah. Like that's, that's pretty bad. That's right? probably your worst position for impingement. I have a very good friend who, who, who blew his, who blew his rotator cuff up in Indian Creek by thumbs doing down. thumbs down yeah games. I mean yeah. you have to do them but he that's when it happened he's he's completely sure of it so yeah um but yeah so that's I always think of that as a, a PT buddy of mine told me that like that's like about as bad as you can can get like reaching way above your head thumbs down jam and then pulling as hard as you can yeah that's your worst position yeah, okay. so well that explains a lot about my shoulders actually <laughs> um so again like if we wanted to talk about the most common kind of things i mean the the finger pulley injuries mm -hmm. i think i hear about a lot shoulder injuries the impingement some at least minor damage to the rotator cuff this this area of muscles that's basically well like holding your shoulder together as yep. it's moving around yep. okay and again i don't know maybe everybody knows this shit i don't know but uh what else you you, you know in terms of of like your most common kind of things that you have found with with people out there yeah well climbers a lot of times they have elbow injuries mm -hmm. and they're either going to have pain on the inside of their elbow the outside of their elbow or right on top of their elbow okay. and the triceps and each one of those it's very fascinating when climbers climb a specific way uh there's a certain pattern they climb in and mm -hmm. each one of those predispose them to a different area sure for kind of for like a small example 
when you climb and your wrist is cocked back, mm -hmm. that actually stresses the outside of your elbow. And so if you see climbers and they're constantly, regardless of the hole they grab, you know, they're on a crimper and their wrist is cocking back, mm -hmm. they're actually predisposed to getting the pain on the outside of their elbow. Whereas someone that's, you know, throwing a bunch of slopers. Sure. Or if you're doing a ton of underclings, those are going to predispose you to the inside. So is this all stuff that like your personal kind of research and looking into this like discovered i mean you this there was no body of knowledge to tell you this right well it's basically you take mechanics okay human mechanics and you say when you get into a position what is stressed in this position right and then i just apply it to climbing i said uh -huh. well when you climb and your wrist is flexed what are the positions that lead to this sure okay and it's amazing when i do some of these clinics that i see people climb and i see them always you know, always grabbing with their wrist flex or on slopers. And then I always ask people, what's, what injuries do you have? Right. Just almost as a game in my head. And there's usually a really strong correlation to how people move and their patterns sure. and what injuries eventually start to develop. All right. Well, let's run, let's run mine down then. All right. Because let's go we, for we, it. We mentioned the, uh, we, you, you actually, in preparation for this, you asked me, you know, well, what are your injuries? And and my usual response is always like, I don't have any. Oh, I'm totally fine. I'm, I'm totally completely fine. fine. Yeah. And, you know, and traditionally, I think I have avoided, honestly avoided, you know, a lot of like acute injury. Um, some I've gotten, you know, more of the use things like, yeah, at times my elbows have ached on the inside or the outside or, or whatever. But in terms of like, you know, grabbing that hold and suddenly something is has gone awry, that, that happened to me finally – um, about two years ago, I was in Spain and I'd actually been having a little bit of pain in my shoulders, both of them. I think it might be from, um, painting and stuff and, and working all the time. But, but then it, I did actually reach out, uh, to a, like a far away undercling. Like my arm was as straight as it could be. Mm -hmm. And I grabbed sort of upward, maybe slightly above my head. So my arm was reaching out maybe at like a, I don't know if you're looking at me. In the front, it would be like uh, maybe two o'clock position. So that high above my head and pushing up on it is what, you know, I distinctly remember like a sharp pain and then I dealt with it for the rest of the trip. But, you know, I was in Spain, you know, I'd bought a plane ticket and I was going to climb for two more weeks. So I ended up, you know, doing the ibuprofen therapy and just like <laughs> making it go away. It. Well, and, and, it, and it was one of those things, and you probably can talk to this too, but it would warm up and go away. Yep. And, you know, but then I'd wake up the next morning and have to, like, basically, like, move my arm with my other hand for a little while and, like, get it back into shape, which is a really stupid thing to do. But then what happened was is I I did actually start to kind of take some time off when I got back. But the kind of word is the operative word there. Um, and it basically plagued me all summer yeah. and into the fall. And then finally with winter, I really did, like, stop climbing and started doing some of the things that, that PT friends had told me to do and everything else. But it was like this big collective of like, here's what I did and here's what I did. And so, you know, what are we talking about with shoulders? What are some of the things that like we're really, you know, worried about and what are some of the things we can do about them? That's a great question. So, I mean, first of all, too, what brings to light is you brought up a really common trend with, I think, with almost everyone, especially with climbers, is we get something that hurts or aches and we just want to climb through it. And I almost give the analogy if you imagine you have a rock and you keep hitting it with a hammer. Right. And you keep hitting and hitting. 
nothing's going to really happen to the rock until that final hit. Right. And it's going to split. Sure. And that's usually the case that I hear, kind of like you're saying that, yeah, you had a little bit of shoulder pain. It went, came and gone. And mm-hmm. then you're in one position that was awfully stressful. The shoulder probably wasn't at 100%. And you pulled on it and then you had some type of injury. Sure. So the most common shoulder injuries we have are impingement. What we, you know, we talked about earlier when you're almost like thumbs down jamming is your most dangerous position for for impingement, um, especially if it's a bent arm. Uh, And the second one is a rotator cuff strain. Okay. And that's where you actually, your rotator cuff are the four muscles that protect your shoulder. And what I notice a lot in climbers is we climb with our rotator cuffs. And so we actually climb with our shoulders and we overuse them instead of using the strong muscles behind them in our shoulder blades. And those are, they're called the scapular thoracic muscles, but they're the giant ones in your back. Sure. And so with those, the pattern that I normally see, and this is the one that I've you know, been able to map out, is we normally climb either with bent arms mm-hmm. and we're always pulling versus having our arms straight and almost squeezing our shoulder blades to create uh, movements. And so those are the most, the two most common kind of positions that put your shoulder at risk. And there's certain exercises, you know, that can strengthen the muscles that that are weak. Sure. And, I mean, I got into the to using the rubber bands, which is um, a big part of your book, is a simple sort of device that you can get for cheap that that you can do all these exercises with. Exactly. Um, so I had a question about, about that movement thing because one thing I've noticed since, you know, I've sort of grown more protective of them in a sense, you know, I, I'm definitely aware of when I'm reaching and doing something that I feel like that's, that's a strange impinged movement. Yeah. But like that feeling of just kind of holding them in a little bit more, is that what you're, I mean, is that, it feels good to me. I don't know if there's any science behind it, but instead of really kind of letting them like pull away from my body, but I like hold them together a little bit. Exactly. That's, is that focusing on those back muscles? You got it. And so you can almost try as an experiment, you know, grab a friend or, or someone and have them press, you know, hold their arm straight in front of them Mm -hmm. and push down on their arm and then have them tighten their shoulder blades, kind of squeeze a little bit and press on their arm again. And we did this in the clinic today and we had, 15 out of 16 people said, I feel way stronger when my shoulder blades are squeezed. Sure. So, and it, it makes sense, but when you're climbing, unless it's something you train, you're not going to have all those extra muscles to help protect your shoulder. Well, here's what the, I think I've noticed in my climbing is that I work so hard on relaxing. Yep. You know, especially like, you know, climbing big endurance routes, like you're, it's like this game of leaving the ground and using as little energy as possible. Yep. And that's kind of as again as I've learned about these shoulders for the last over the year, and I and this year I'm feeling much better, and I don't want to do it again, and so I'm real conscious of that, and I think part of it is yeah, this idea of like relaxing and letting them out is maybe for some reason makes you think you're resting, mm-hmm. but the difference is is when I when I remember and I have to be really conscious of it because I'm like fighting 24 years of <laughs> of like bad technique, I guess yeah. you know. When I do pull in, other things happen. My hips come into the wall. I, you know, I'm I'm definitely usually in a more restful position, even though I'm I'm clenching those muscles a little bit more. Exactly. And it's kind of like, but I do have to be really conscious of it still. Well, it's a paradox because you want to be able to 
relax as much as possible, breathe as much as possible so you can get blood flow to your muscles, but at the same time be in safe and powerful positions. Sure. And so I usually tell people when you're about to pull a very challenging move, that's probably the time that, you know, if it's something that you're a little iffy about, you know, stressing your muscles, that's probably the time that you want to activate those muscles. Mm -hmm. And you can always exhale and breathe out, kind of like do the Adam under scream or just breathe out sure. when you're doing the, the motion to try and release something. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like I said, I'm, I'm kind of retraining myself to do it for sure. Because I mean, I had that, that injury. The other side is like, has more of a feeling of like a, a repetitive use mm -hmm. kind of problem. And that's, that's the one that I, I paint with and, you know, spray over my head and I'm, I'm, you can't see me, but I'm doing the motion and it hurts <laughs> right. Even right now, just a tiny bit, you know, so I don't know what the difference mm -hmm. with the, between the two are, but I've, I've become like really protective of both of them. Yeah. And, but in a weird way, it's also improved my technique a little bit just by thinking through, I think thinking through, you know, before a move, like, am I standing straight? Because even doing it sitting here, I feel my posture improves when I pull those shoulders back. You know, yep. it's like the charm school thing, like for women, like pull the shoulders back, straighten <laughs> your back, you know, and I can feel like, you know, that makes me feel better. But I also catch myself like it's like slouching. I catch myself climbing. I'm like, no, no, got to straighten up, got to straighten yeah. up. But every time, I mean, it seems like I'm getting better at it and better at it. So, but it's interesting how these injuries are the things that kind of predispose us. Yeah. yeah exactly. To like, like look into form. Of time. Yeah. Cause I was, I was actually watching Lynn Hill climb yesterday mm -hmm. and she has the most amazing climbing movement and almost everything I write down is like a bad movement pattern. Right. She doesn't do a single one of them. Right. And I asked her about, you know, what types of injuries you've had. For, you know, the amount of time she's been climbing, she has been amazing in health, you know, super healthy, almost no injuries. And so it just kind of shows that if you can kind of put in these patterns early on, you know, create good technique in the long run, you'll probably climb a lot stronger for longer. And then we'll go through this with all of them. We may not get specific, but one of the philosophies behind your, your book, which is called Ultimate Climber, is the fact that if you get some exercises done ahead of time, if you're, if you're more on it than I usually am in these sorts of things. Cause I'm definitely reactionary in terms of injury. Just a few minutes here and there, you pre strengthen these things and hopefully prevent injury. Yeah. And that's the whole idea is, can you make this so simple that you say, I feel as though based on my climbing, I'm susceptible to this injury. And there's a single exercise you do, you know, it takes two or three minutes, you know, every other day. And if you do that and be aware of the patterns that are going to stress that area in your body, the idea is that you can climb longer and stronger. Well, and it's really easy. I mean, I sport climbing, you know, these rubber bands and all these sorts of things are ubiquitous. Like somebody, maybe not everybody, but there's always somebody over on a tree, like winging them around, warming things up and, you know, and they're lightweight too. So they can you be travel with them. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, they're, they're nothing and with sport climbing. You're not always that worried about weight anyway, um, going to the cliffs. But I mean, this is also, I guess about all types of climbing. I mean, we talked about jamming being so, so, uh, possibly damaging to a movement. So, but, um, it's, it's definitely one of these training things, you know, and, you know, I use the rubber bands now. I've got a set of things that some PTs have told me, but I, I mean, I still forget, like yeah. I will go to the cliff and oh, okay, it's time to warm up. And I, I start climbing and, you know, I'm reminded by the noise in my shoulder cause it's right next to my ear. 
and it's just like I reach up and hear just like oh there's that noise there's those crunchy noises and then I get down and and oh yeah now I do my warm ups and that's a really bad pattern because I realize that if it's probably going to happen again it'll probably happen on one of those warm ups yeah and and so I don't know I guess I'm just saying I'm kind of I'm I identify with people that have problems with this preventative idea you know and how we train ourselves to be a little more aware of it. Plus, I'm older now, and that's actually weighs on my mind, and, and I would be way better off had I started doing it 15 years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's the analogy I normally use is with dentists, where, you know, we go into the dentist, we brush our teeth three times a day, mm -hmm. most people, and then usually we floss, you know, relatively occasionally. Right. And they have such a great model with, you know, people are aware of their teeth. And they brush and floss all the time, but we're not so aware of our bodies when it comes to taking care of them. Sure. And we're doing all this damage through our different sports where if we just, quote unquote, brush our teeth or do our, you know, exercise bands, you know, each night or every other day, we can start to prevent these injuries just like we don't get gum disease or sure. gnarly looking teeth. Well, and, uh, you know, I was just thinking, too, about how... Even in the rec a couple recent episodes that I've done, um, one that I recorded yesterday that hasn't come out yet, but also Chris Schulte's episode, both those climbers, and I know I've heard it in the past on the show too, were just devastated by a climbing injury, and not, you know, devastated in that it was it was necessarily particularly painful or anything, but that they couldn't climb, and and climbing was removed from their life, and it was you know this traumatic experience, and so it's kind of like. On one hand, we have this thing that's so important to us, and I think most of my climbing friends, like, you know, if they don't climb, you know, their significant others want to kill them, and they, like, you know, it's like climbing has to be there, and yet we're so lazy about, like, making sure that we can continue to climb. Yeah, know? so it's the, you know, the tricky part, I'd say the crux of the matter is how can you make this such a habit within a climbing community? And your philosophy, as you explained it before, was that, like, make these things simple, fast, and easy to do. Exactly. And make it make sense, too. Sure. You look at a picture, you say, this is a bad position for the shoulder. Mm -hmm. Here's one exercise that all the research points to that protects you from this dangerous position. Just do that exercise. Because I think it's almost analysis paralysis when we get into, oh, my shoulder hurts. And you go on Google type in shoulder oh, pain. Oh, jeez, yeah. What do you find? You find... It's everything. And yeah. Laying down and use the ball and use this and use that, you know, so... So a thousand you got, exercises. like a closet full of all these strange, like, things that can help <laughs> you sort of, like, exercise your shoulders, so... Yeah, and so the most important thing, too, that I found is, one, simplify it, make things just super easy so everyone understands it, and the other is you got to make it look like climbing. Oh, okay. So... If you're doing something, let's say for your shoulder, and your hand is below shoulder height and your elbow's bent and you're maybe just moving a band out to the side, does that look like something you do when you climb? No. <laughs> Probably it looks like something else you would be doing. Right. But So if you want to strengthen your rotator cuff climbing, you straighten your elbows out, you bend your knees kind of in a crouch position, mm -hmm. you apply some tension on the band, and then you go through reaches, which you would be doing climbing. And so... You know, a good friend of mine and a colleague, uh, Dr. Jason Kutch, he's a PhD over at USC. I have to credit him with giving me this analogy. But the analogy that he put is imagine baseball players and they step up to plate. And when they're in the dugout before they step up, 
they've got a donut on their bat that's weighted. Right. And they're going through practice swings with that bat. And what it is, is it's adding resistance to a bat, but they're mirroring exactly what they're about to do. Okay. And that allows them when they finally step up to hit, that they're going to hit stronger, they're going to hit farther. And so when you're a climber and you're doing some type of exercise, whether it's to prevent injuries or try and peak your performance, you need to be doing something that looks exactly like climbing. And if you're on the wall doing it, even better. And that's kind of cool with the bands. You can actually take those bands on the wall and do the Yeah, exercise. that's a really interesting part of the book. And um, that after you've talked through all these injuries and preventative things and also things to, to help repair them, you t- you have a whole section in here about moving on the wall with the bands, which is, is pretty interesting and um, funny because I recognize the wall in the photos. Yeah, what, what is, yeah, your old, your old stomping there. ground. Yeah. Yeah, I was I, showing Chris the book and he's like, and this is, you have to imagine this is a single picture, you know, black just like white. a black and white four by six. He's like, oh, is that rock creation yeah. climbing, Jim? <laughs> and it's, it's the, the beginner wall. And I, I, you know, I taught a lot of courses over there. So, but, uh, but yeah, that, that was really interesting and kind of what's the philosophy there. I mean, you, 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 you sort of talked to me a little bit about it, but. Um, you've got people on the wall wrapped in certain ways and, and moving in certain ways to create, I mean, you just kind of mentioned the donut on the baseball bat, like the movement with resistance, you know, then, then, I mean, is it this idea that then you remove that and, and it's taught you, uh, a certain way of moving or it's, you remove it and now it feels easy. I mean, yeah, what, actually it's yeah. a combination of both. Right. I'm going to throw out another analogy. Okay. So golfers, fine. yeah. <laughs> so golfers actually train hitting the ball with a, um, heavier club okay. and that allows them when they actually contact the ball with that heavier club, they can hit farther. And so this concept then goes to the wall where you take these bands and you wrap them through your legs, because when we climb, we don't just climb with our arms. We need a stable foundation through our legs, through your hips. And we'll put some, we'll put some pictures up so people can see this, but, uh, and then up into your arms. So your whole body's basically kind of networked with a band. And as you reach with your hand, imagine what happens is the tension then creates a line to your foot and your foot feels a little bit of tension and it needs to step. And you then can control your foot stepping onto the next hold and so it's a little hard to imagine Mm kind of just you know on you know on on here but what you can imagine is you have to have a very precise control of movement sure and when you wrap the bands on the wall i find when people get off the wall they feel so much lighter and they feel so much uh you know more apt to climb stronger Uh but even the cooler thing which i think is they start to track their feet so much better because instead of just having your foot kind of sling to a hold you have to control it in place yeah that's the worst yeah that's the worst (laughs) technique and it's you know one of these things with with uh i mean all of us occasionally are forced to or feel forced to do it but with beginners i always remember feeling like how like it's so hard to get rid of that slap your feet around sort of mentality it was like one of the, the hardest things to get people to kind of like realize what's going on and and what they're doing so i mean that sounds pretty cool if you have some sort of cure for that yeah put some bands I mean, on we the just feet. always had like oh try to make your feet quiet and those sorts and of then things. you'll just hear like yeah, slap, slap, slap. yeah exactly and then the other thing you know from a financial standpoint you run through shoes quick if you have terrible footwork sure. so i remember when i first started climbing i like ran through resoling you know probably like four or five times in a year 
And it wasn't because it, I mean, I was climbing a lot, but most right. of it was because I just had terrible Dragging feet. Dragging your feet around. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Just so. burning rubber. Let's, um, I mean, we're, we're b- bouncing around here, but let's talk about the pulley thing. Okay. Um, because again, like that's a huge one. And you know, what kind of things are you, are you looking at with when that kind of stuff happens and, and preventative for, for pulley injuries? Cause I, I feel like that really is one of them that shuts people down, but also that they don't take care of, like they're not willing to stop. When, yeah. You know, they take, like, there's all these little, you know, I don't know how myth, how much myth there is in the taping and the crossing the tape and all those sorts of things. But so maybe we can get into that yeah. a little bit. Well, so with the pulleys, so 44% of your injuries climbing are in your wrists and your fingers. And so the majority of climbing injuries are occurring there. And what most people don't realize is a lot of it is because of poor movement patterns in your lower body. Okay. So people climbing with their knees straight, you know, pulling hard with their fingers. And so a lot of it, when I, you know, try and prevent, teach people try and prevent pulleys, I say, first, just take a step back and see how you look on the climbing wall. Mm -hmm. And are you climbing with your legs and with proper feet position? And that's that's the hardest part to right. to try and train. Uh, the second part is the movement patterns um, that stress the pulleys the most are when you do what's called a closed crimp grip, where okay. you're you're basically crimping and your last digit is extending back, like the bent the other direction. Exactly, yeah. it's bent, bending the other direction, yes. and you can imagine that. Love that. Love that position. Oh yeah, I'm a major <laughs> get on top of it, crimp guy. Crimp hard, <laughs> yeah, harder the better. Well, and so then the, so with that position, if you do wrap your thumb, that can take some of the stress off okay. of it, but it's still not the safest position. Sure. But sometimes you got to do it. Right. And so I have people ask all the time, do I just not climb hard stuff? Do I just not do that grip very much? And what I notice is people do that grip on almost every crimp, regardless if it's the crux move or if it's just like an easy crimp. Right. So the goal is know that pattern and start to open up your hand a little bit into we call like an open grip, mm-hmm. which is less stressful on the pulleys. So for ninety percent of your holds that are crimps, you're not danger you're damaging your your fingers. Mm-hmm. So so those are the patterns that usually can pull or cause you to tear a pulley. And then the exercises, which is fascinating, is how many climbers do you see with like grip balls or you know those little dumbbell things that you squeeze back and forth sure, the, the old chenard donut i mean it's not chenard anymore but he invented that little donutty thing yeah the donut yeah. thing yeah. so everyone is working so hard to like strengthen their fingers and make them so they can grab the hardest hold you know how many people do you see actually strengthening their fingers in the opposite direction so against resistance mm-hmm. opening up their mm-hmm. hand you don't really see it that much and so from a prevention standpoint is a lot of climbers are overdeveloped in what we call the finger flexors, Mm -hmm. but basically the muscles and tendons in the front of our fingers. And so the prevention exercise is pretty simple. Strengthen the antagonist, which is the opposite side of your hand muscles. And there's a simple one. I've got an article coming out in like a month, I think, in DPM about how to do this. Okay. But you basically just take a rubber band and you can or a hair tie or something, and you can kind of rig it and turn it in a way that you can strengthen those muscles. And I see really strong climbers that, you know, doing hangboards and crimping that can barely take, you know, like rubber band and, you know, strengthen their fingers in the opposite direction. 
And then I think uh, I think Metolius, do they still make the ball with the little rubbery thing? I on? think so. That you yeah. can go the opposite yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. So Metolius makes it, and you can also get them. Um, Theraband makes one mm-hmm. as well. So the stuff is out there, and what I know was the little disc thing, and, and I saw yeah, that one's a Theraband the, oh, okay, one. Cool. Yeah, yeah, so it's still out. You know, those things are out there. I know people do them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not as common as right scraping the life out of something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so that's, I mean, again, that's your preventative thing. And in terms of in terms of all these these injuries, I mean, is it pretty common sense that that rest is really like the essential thing in terms of after it's happened. Oh, after the injury actually yeah, occurs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, rest is important, and then active rest is probably the most important. So well, Define that a little bit. So normally, for example, let's say someone strains a rotator cuff, and they're like, oh, man, that sucks, and so I'm not going to climb for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And so then they go back, and when they start climbing, the inflammation or the tissue injury, whatever it is, it's healed, but their arm isn't condition to climb like it used to be sure and so what active rest really is is trying to do things Mm pain-free so pain usually is the guide and whether it's climbing or whether it's something that keeps your muscles in your arm active related to the movements during climbing uh, but without causing pain okay so just taking time off is almost like the mental crutch like i'm gonna forget about it and then hopefully it doesn't happen again right but yeah, I guess in some ways it's more difficult to go out to the cliff and not try your project. Exactly. Because you know? <laughs> there it is. And well, I'm going to go climb these, but well, maybe I'll just give one burn on it or do like a bolt to bolt. And then all of a sudden you're back to the beginning. Ex- yes, yeah. so that's what happens. So active rest means, yeah, climbing without the pain or doing it without the pain. Yeah, or finding something else, some other activity that, you know, uses your arms, but mm-hmm. maybe doesn't use them above your head that's painful. Sure, sure. Getting in the water, splashing around. I have another thing I wanted to ask you about, yeah. and this is all connected, is warming up. Another thing that I suck at, I, I think, I don't know why I suck at all these things, but I was never really an athlete. You know, as a little kid, I played things, but once I was in high school, I wasn't much of an at, like active in sports kind of athlete. I, I don't believe you. No, it's true. You serious? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was never in organized sports after probably middle school. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, I was active. I ran around. I rode motorcycles. I did all this stuff. But I think, you know, a lot of that training you get, I think kids get it through through athletics if they have a good coach. Like, okay, this is what we do to warm up. This is this is the other thing. But yeah, I mean, with warming up, I want to get kind of specific with that with climbing, because I've heard, you know, everybody has their own philosophy, but this may get away from injury. But what, you know, is it like, do you want to get pumped? Do you want to get flash pumped so it gets rid of it? Do you want to just feel pretty good, or like, or is it different for everybody? Like, what can you tell us about this whole ma- the holy grail of like of how up. to warm up well, to do something hard? Basically, you want to preheat the oven okay. is the best way to think about warming up. And before saying what to do, it's probably smart to say what not to do because I see this all the time. How many climbers do you see stretching their fingers, you know, kicking it back and okay. holding for, let's say, like 30 seconds? Do you see that very much? Uh, I've seen it uh, basically by looking down at my arm and watching myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is for the past 10 to 15 years, all the research that's put out, I'm saying all the research on or the majority of research on stretching shows that statically stretching. And that's what that is. If you hold a position for about 30 seconds before you do an activity, mm-hmm. actually decreases the strength in the muscle 
and it can predispose you to injury. So I just, you know, I try to kind of keep my lips sealed, but, you know, I walk by and I see people doing this and it's actually making you, yeah, exactly. (laughs) What's going on here? (laughs) Listen up. (laughs) Um, But that's one of the most, you know, dangerous things you can do as a warm up, Uh, And that's one of the most common things to do as well. Well, I, I mean, I've been, I'm glad you brought that up because it reminded me, you know, I think recently or in the last few years, you know, there's been these articles about, you know, maybe some of these long held traditions in terms of warming up and stretching and everything else. Sort of like what you said when you walk by somebody and you and you want to slap them in the back of the head and say, stop doing that. But I feel like there's been the research has been sort of like poked out there and then, you know, becomes really controversial and then we don't hear about it again. But so these static stretches, that's what I'd heard as well, like kind of weaken the muscle and maybe set you up for for a, for a um for an injury exactly yeah so what's the i mean static stretch must well, lead to what the opposite of that is dynamic okay. which is through movement and when you dynamically stretch the thing you want to avoid this is kind of the other danger is it's called ballistic stretching okay and that's where you ever see like those guys in the 80s they like kick their leg up and they're bouncing on their hamstring muscles mm-hmm. and, and kind of bouncing back and forth what that does is that activates it's called a stretch reflex and your muscle kind of fights back and it doesn't allow you to stretch mm-hmm. and that's another thing that can be harmful so what all the research points to now is it's called dynamic stretching and you take your muscle joint you know body part through a range of motion about three seconds each mm-hmm. position and you smoothly take it in and out of that range of motion and when i see some of the kind of top climbers intuitively warm up mm-hmm. for example like adam andra you'll see him on the mat doing these kind of yoga flow positions right? or even like Honold, you know, he was, you know, kind of circling his arms in the air back and forth before he went and crushed the nose record. Sure. So these are all kind of things that we, <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm all warmed up. Yep, good to go. Good to go. You know, so they're okay. doing components of it, um, right. which, is, which is good. Uh, but that, it's more, they're just intuitively know their body has to kind of, you know, kind of go through these ranges of motion. Mm. And so what I basically set up, and some of it's modeled after Neil Gresham, I believe I pronounced that right. But, you know, he's had some, he's, you know, genius with a lot of these things. And he's, you know, he's developed types of, you know, kind of body positions. And I I basically set up this warm up where whatever you're doing on the climbing wall, you mirror it. So whatever you're doing a drop knee, well, your warm up is you're slowly moving in and out of a, a drop knee position. And if you're going to do a flag, your warm up is going to be you're slowly going in and out of this flag position mm-hmm. and controlling it. And what that does is when you finally get on the wall and do these positions, your body parts are warmed up. Right. And so in a lot of ways, I guess doing, you know, a pretty standard thing is, yeah, you do a few easy warm ups, things that you can can do easily. Like, I mean, isn't that basically doing that for you in a lot of ways? Like if it's easy enough? What do you mean? For like you're, you're you're sort of stretching on the wall. You're doing the movements maybe slowly and in a very oh, controlled while you're, way. Oh, when yeah. you're actually on the yeah, wall. Yeah, when you're actually climbing. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's another method to warming up, right. and I think that's great. And it's probably, I guess, second best scenario. Okay. But you imagine you're preheating an oven. You the oven doesn't ex- if preheating it to like 450 mm-hmm. for all those who preheat ovens which I don't think I've done in like five years. But what you're are you talking about <laughs> microwave. You just oh, hit yeah, the minute right. plus. Gotcha. <laughs> but if you're <laughs> but if you're preheating the oven, 
it slowly goes up to that right, position. Right, right. And so the idea is when you're on the ground, you start mirroring those positions, and then you get on the wall, you it's slowly... the next step, right, yeah. right. And, I mean, the warm-up takes five minutes, so when people are like, oh, I don't have time to do that, I'm like, really? Yeah. Good, good excuse. Well, and, and in the in the book, you've got um, some of these these movement warm-ups, like backstepping and, and reaching and flagging and all that stuff, incorporated with the bands as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So you can kind of build into your warm-up some activation right. of the muscles. So... This is a little bit away from sort of joint and pain injury stuff, but I, I would assume that you have some expertise in it as well. The like I said, like I said when I started this, like the pump, like actually, I want to ask you that. What what is that? Why do I get pumped? Do you know the physiology behind behind the actual pump? Yeah, like why you know lactic acid and that all. I mean, screaming barfies sort of or like a true pump? No, no, like pumped, like you know, like, like the flash pumper or, or like I can't close my hand anymore. Got I, it. I'm so wrecked. Well, I mean, a good explanation behind it is, mm -hmm. so we have our muscles, and they need to have blood pump in and out, right. and they need to relax, and they need to contract. And on top of the muscles, we have fascia, which is basically saran wrap okay. that keeps the muscles in place. And so when you're constantly using a muscle at its max, and it fatigues, first of all, you don't get blood pumped into that area, okay. because everything has tightened up. Okay. And you generate a bunch of what's called ATP, which is kind of like the uh, machinery for your muscle. And that all gets depleted. Okay. And so you basically, your muscle runs out of resources. On top of that, since it's so contracted, it's pushing into the fascia, which you can imagine saran wrap over your muscle doesn't really allow it to expand either. Sure. So now you have a muscle that can't release and let go and that's kind of when you get your pump everything is completely stuck in that position and that's why people need to shake it mm -hmm. and that's going to increase blood flow kind of loosen things up or almost stretch it because all of those bridges in the muscle are overlapped so so in terms of uh you know all these things that i guess i've learned over the year like the above the head below the head blah, blah, yeah i mean that like is gravity sort of like pump. it that may in fact be doing something because i'm like pushing blood in and out of the muscle it's not just a myth yeah you know the the movement itself mm -hmm. yeah that's not a myth i am not sure about the hand overhead gravity sure. i'd have to do more re right, you know, research right. on that i know anecdotally for me it heck feels yeah. like it does yeah yeah i'm like you raise your hand above your head and well i can throw see like the the veins disappear and then they come back yeah <laughs> so i'm just like yeah i'm just pumping the blood in and out in and out so maybe it works so yeah i mean i i guess we're we're getting into like just probably very personal like what feels best to like get really pumped before and then rest before your before your project or um because i've always tried to do one or the other like i feel like sometimes if i if i don't get at least somewhat pumped during my warm-up then it then i flash pump on the yep. project yeah if i flash pump you know or get it really worked and then rest for an hour i still arrive at the project feeling a little depleted you know I, I haven't actually been able to figure out which one works best for me i think it's a fine balance right. and i think for almost everyone you got to find your body and determine what's the best gradual way to mm -hmm. get up there but you do have to be climbing if you're going to try and do your project i mean you have to start like preheating the oven to a higher degree sure or else you're not you're gonna yeah exactly flash pump mm -hmm. you know on your first attempt to send sure sure cool all right, well, that that got a little bit away from this this injury thing, but I guess the warming up is injury prevented. 
I mean, that's prevention right there. Yeah, and it's warming up is kind of not as much preventing those overuse injuries okay. that we talked about, but it's preventing the strains that mm -hmm. you would normally have if something is not ready to okay. climb. Yeah. And so the warm up is one of the most important things I feel that climbers should do. It's almost the starting point that you sure. got to do. Right. And then everything else from that is you pick which injury you think you're going to have and you do something that strengthens which the antagonist muscle, which sure. is the opposite. And it's as simple as that, hopefully, right. for people. So, I mean, we're, we're basically coming to the end here, but, um, you know, we talked about it in the beginning, this, this philosophy or this thing that you've gotten interested in is, is trying to find a way to get people or to help them understand that just a few minutes of simple things can go a really long way to preventing injury. And, you know, I started thinking about that and, in the, I think maybe one of the problems is, is that if you're preventing injury, I mean, you can kind of make up all these weird stories as to why you're not getting injured. Like I, I told you, like, I think I'm just put together. Well, you know, like I remember that, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, and, and cause I have these friends that seem to injure themselves all the time. I'm like, ah, you know, they're, they're... as, as you're like rubbing, your yeah, shoulder. as I'm rubbing my shoulder. Exactly. Oh, so what you're saying to us is that you've, you know, you've put the research in, this is, this is scientifically backed up. Here are these things that are going to work. Absolutely. And then it's only a matter of time. And it's people that they come into my clinics, let's say like a year ago, mm -hmm. and I'll see them later and they'll have some tape on their elbow and they'll say, oh, that makes sense. And so it's almost a matter of time. You have these little tiny injuries that build so up. So in other words, they came in and, and you saw the way they were climbing. Yeah. And I'd say, oh, they're predisposed right, to this to type this. of injury. Right. And then eventually whether it's they just didn't take enough rest breaks or finally caught up to them, mm -hmm. then they get that type of injury. Right. And then that's actually when they come to me. Sure. Yeah, uh, again, or, you know, it's it, it's usually a little too much too late or too little too late. Right. So I guess what would you, I mean, if you could sort of wrap it up, um, you know, at the end of a, at the end of a clinic or, or whatever you've done, like, what's your spiel? What, what do you, what do you finally like say, this is what we need you to do? Like the take home message. Yeah. I think it all comes down to education. And so people need to first know that it's out there before they can even do something about it. Mm -hmm. If you didn't know that dynamically stretching was probably what you're supposed to do, you wouldn't be doing it. Right. So the first part is education. So I say spread the word. You know anyone that can benefit from this? Mm -hmm. Just tell them. You know, share all the resources. They're all out there. Whatever you need to do to kind of help people climb, you know, injury-free. And then it really comes down to the individual. Mm -hmm. So you got to make a change takes about two weeks to set a habit. So I tell people, do these exercises for two weeks. You have nothing to lose and try and make a habit out of it. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, I, I agree with you because I'm getting better at it. And, and, and it actually, you know, it's funny because it makes me feel better uh, just about the fact that I'm doing something proactive. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of like the, the cool end result is... is you know, I now realize that I'm just not like, I mean, it just feels good to be like, I'm going to take care of this problem and I'm not just going to go willy nilly into, into getting yet another injury or whatever else. So there's all these other benefits as well. And I think for me with the, the sort of ritual of it is also become something of a mental help in that, you know, it's like, I'm telling my mind too, like, we're going to be at our best and, and we, me and the body and the mind or whatever. But you know, I'm, I'm, when I start doing those exercises, it's like a signal to the body, like, okay. And the mind, 
like we're going into climbing mode. And I really feel like the ritual of it has benefited me as well in the last year. And instead of feeling like it's some burden I have to do in the morning or right before I start climbing or whatever, it's like, oh, this is just what I do. And it's going to switch me into performance mode in my brain as well as my body. You know what I mean? So it's like kind of, kind of fits together in a lot of ways. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to get on board as much as I possibly can because I don't want to be shut down, you know, for another year or climb with pain for another year or, or any of those sorts of things. So. Well, cool. Your website is the climbingdoctor.com. Yep. www. Whatever. Do we say that anymore? We just, uh, yeah, I think we, you just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The climbing doctor. And then doctor is D O C T O R. So spelled out instead of with the. Oh, yeah. Not a D R. Yeah. So, yeah. The climbing doctor, D O C T O R. Um, I'll link it at the site. Perfect. Um, I don't know a lot of people go to the website, but whatever. And uh, Dr. Jared Baggy, just a guy you're just out there trying to help us out, it looks like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's fun too. Yeah. You know, it's definitely, you know, everyone is psyched with the clinics sure. and just trying to spread the word with this stuff. And so you're like indoor clinics at these festivals and obviously there's probably a schedule on your website. Yeah, there's a schedule on the website for every, mm-hmm. every everybody. So uh, if I'm in your area, definitely sign up for the clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in an area where I'm not at, hit me up, send me an email and we'll try and work something out. Um, but the idea is just try and get this material out to as many people as possible. Uh, if you go on the website, climbingdoctor.com on the front, you can get a sample of the book. Mm-hmm. So at least you can download it and have, you know, resources of the things we talked sure. about and all throughout the website, there's all different photos. So I'm trying to get as much content as I can mm-hmm. for people to, to work on. Awesome. And the stuff is fun. So, so try it. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming into the studio and sitting down on, uh, it's going to help me, so I'm stoked. Yeah, actually, go for so. it. All right, then. Thanks to Dr. Baggy for sitting down in the studio in the Lander Park, the Lander City Park. Um, I want to thank him. I want to thank the uh, International Climbers Festival for hosting me again this year and uh, allowing these things to happen. And hopefully the doctors kick my ass into gear. Actually, I've been doing pretty good. been doing pretty good doing my exercises making sure that my uh, shoulders are warmed up and ready to go before I try to climb. It's a big, big problem for me. I'm pretty rare to go when I get there. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, you can check out more from Dr. Vaggie at uh, theclimbingdoctor.com. And as usual, thanks for listening. The Enormal Cast is rocking and rolling because of you guys, because of the listeners. So please spread the word. That's the best thing you can do for me to help out is spread the word. Make your other climbing friends listen to a couple episodes. If they don't like it, they can stop. But but hopefully some of them will be like, hot damn, I didn't know this existed. I'm in. All right, folks, please don't forget to check your knot. And it's probably time to remind you to communicate with your belayer before you start climbing, whether you're going to be lowered or not. And for God's sakes, don't say off belay when you get to the anchor. That's not what you want. You want to be left on belay while you tie through and get lowered. This shit continues to happen. Don't do it. You're not off belay. Just keep your mouth shut. Pull some rope up. Tie through. Don't even say anything until you're ready to be lowered. Do not let your belayer off the hook. Leave him on belay down there. All right. Thanks. Bye. Feel pretty good. I'm not uh, not scared at all. I just feel kind of I feel kind of invincible. <laughs> Me too. 
I got a very positive attitude about this. Good, me too. Yeah. It's getting hot in here, or is it just me?